We're going to start straight away, inshallah. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد كما صليت على سيدنا إبراهيم وعلى آل سيدنا إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد يا ربنا يا رحمن يا مستعان يا حي يا قيوم يا ذا الجلال والإكرام ومرب نجعل جمعنا هذا جمع مبارك مرحومة وجعل اللهم تفرقنا من بعده تفرق معصومة ولا تجعل اللهم فينا ولا معنا ولا منا شقيا ولا محرومة وحرسنا بعينك التي لا تنام وكلفنا بكنفك الذي لا يضام وارحمنا واسترنا وانصرنا وأيدنا وكلنا ولا تكن علينا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين يا رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين يا رب زدنا علما وزدنا فهما واجعلنا من الراشدين وصلي وسلم على سيدنا محمد النبي الأمين وآله وصحبه وسلم تسليما سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه وسلم رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يبقه قولي رب أوزعنا نشكر نعمتك التي أنعمت علي وعلى والدي ونعمل صالحا ترضى وأصلح لي في ذريتي نتبت إليك وإني من المسلمين الحمد لله time goes fast this is الحمد لله now the 11th week we have come together to study the seerah and we have just touched يعني almost the beginning of the seerah of Rasulullah because it's quite huge and we are today going to reach inshallah up to the age of 50 of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam since he began uh, the message of al-Islam and last week we talked about the difficulties the Muslims went through in Mecca and the harsh treatment some of them received from the mushrikeen and the encouragement of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for some of them to travel to the land of Abyssinia uh, and to the land of Al-Habash, which is the people of Abyssinia at that time, or some of them, and to make sure that they can guard themselves, maintain what he has taught them, and carry out the responsibilities. And the Mushrikeen were trying to get them back, and they were not able to get them back because the king, Najashi, or the Negus, uh, managed to be convinced by the message that uh, Ja'far ibn Abi Talib has delivered to him by reciting for him the verses of Surah Maryam talking about Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. In any case, subhanallah, the mushrikeen after coming back from Abyssinia, they were distraught, they were upset, they were angry, they were feeling terrible because they felt that they were not <coughs> given that opportunity of delivering a blow to the message of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It was a very hard thing for them to swallow. They felt defeated. And the Muslims were feeling better in Mecca that their brethren were saved, okay, in Abyssinia. And people began to travel between the two countries, delivering, mashallah, the good news of what is happening in Mecca. And as I said last week, when the first hijra to Abyssinia settled for a while, they heard the news that the Meccans became Muslim, so they came back. And they found that is not true. It was just uh, rumors. So they returned back. The Prophet asked them to go back, and they, more men and women returned back and made, mashallah, a very good success with their deen 
among the people of Abyssinia. People of Mecca who began to abuse the Prophet began to raise the way of abuse because they felt now they need to eliminate the Prophet himself because there is nothing that they could do which will make their life easier. One day the Prophet in Mecca was walking and one of the terrible men of Mecca who was very angry with the Prophet of what he was doing just went to the ground and picked a bone, an old bone, and he broke it with his fingers like this and turned to the Prophet وسلم, and then he said to him, how can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala retain this dust back again to its origin? You are reading for us from the word of your creator as you are talking that he will create them back again. We have never heard of this before. This is something that you are just making up. قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم نعم يميتك الله ثم يحييك ثم يدخلك جهنم يميتك الله ثم يحييك ثم يدخلك جهنم He answered him personally. He said to him O Wa'il Indeed Allah will Indeed Allah will take your life away. You will die. And then Allah indeed will bring you up and then he will put you into the hellfire. And that's a very, very bad thing from the prophet mouse to such a man. Because this is a prophet, that means definitely whatever happened, that man is not going to heaven. Whatever the prophet used to say will happen. That means you're going. Just like when he said to the man who was eating, but eating with his left hand, Ya hadha, kul biyaminik. Oh, my brother, eat with your right hand. Mastatat, ya Rasulullah. Tell I can't. Eat with, kul biyaminik. Again, eat with your right. He was still, I can't, ya Rasulullah. The third time, when he said, I can't, he said, you will not be able to. They said, he will never be able to use his hand, the right hand. Because if he used, it will be straight away there, because the Prophet knows, even if he was left-handed, okay, he will be. And the idea there, as well, when the Prophet said, with your right hand, it is something that we need to think about. Because everything we do, it was the right. Why? So that we hope to be with the people of the right. Why? Because the angel that writes the good deed sits on the right. Why? Because the right is the right path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sirat al-mustaqeem. Allah said, وَأَصْحَابُ الْيَمِينَ And the people of the right. Okay? These are good. So everything we do with the right, it shows that we are in the right path. Everything we do with the left, it shows that we are not in the right path. And therefore, Iblis encourages things to do with the left. Okay, so we wear all our clothing, our shoes with our right. If you are wearing your jacket, put the right hand first. If you are wearing your trouser, put the right leg first. Your socks, the right first. Everything you are entering a good place except for toilet, you enter with the right. When you are undressing, taking your shoes off, always the left first. When you are entering, okay, any place, as I said, you enter with the right except toilet, but toilet, you enter it with the left. So please. Take this very seriously because shaitan is there promising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to misguide you and as long as you follow his way of the left then you are in trouble. Even if you are left-handed train yourself to eat with the right and it can be done. Nothing is difficult for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if it wasn't easy the Prophet will not say to the man. Okay? Some people say but Allah created me like that. No. You can 
change it when it comes to this thing because it is important. Because of what he said, this mushrik, al-as, Ibn Wa'il, Allah then revealed in the Quran to Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam, A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajim, this is from Surah Yaseen, أَوَلَمْ يَرَ الْإِنسَانَ أَنَّا خَلَغْنَاهُ مِنْ نُطْفَةٍ فَإِذَا هُوَ خَصِيمٌ مُبِينٌ Ya Muhammad, doesn't this human see that we have created him from a drop and now he become a grave enemy, an enemy against his creator? This is something that we need to think about a lot because at the end of the day, if Allah has revealed Quran to somebody who challenged the Prophet about Allah raising the dead, how many times do we question things? We need to be very careful. Never question anything without understanding what you are questioning. Always think carefully because at the end of the day, you are judged about what you do, what you say, and sometimes even what you think about. Okay? Your thoughts are questioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He gave us an example by carrying a piece of old bone and he says, who will create or bring back to life the bones after they are dead? Allah said to Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam, say to him, قُلْ يُحِيهَا الَّذِي أَنْشَأَهَا أَوَّلَ مَرَّةٍ وَهُوَ بِكُلِّ خَلْغٍ عَلِيمٍ Tell him, O Muhammad, the one who created it first will definitely bring it back to life. This is something that we need to think about in the reason for the revelation of those verses. By the way, the Quran was revealed in 23 years, 13 in Mecca and 10 in Medina, relating to every event that's taking place. As I said last week, they said, why didn't he receive the whole Quran at once? Little they knew that in the night of Al-Qadr, in the cave, he received it all. For himself, he knows it all. But for the people, it has to be an active living okay, organism that he can use. The Quran was used in his life. That's why he, sallallahu alayhi wa was living the Quran. When Aisha was asked, okay, describe for us the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, she said, His conduct and behavior was the Quran. He was the walking Quran, alayhi wa sallam. Now, when it became so hard, Again, if the Prophet ﷺ and people were becoming yani, enemies to everyone who embraced Islam, he called upon Allah in a prayer. And he said, Sallallahu Allahumma in a'inni alayhim bisab'in kasab'i Yusuf. Allahumma a'inni alayhim bisab'in kasab'i Yusuf. Oh Allah, help me. Okay? Again is them with the strength, okay, and power that you have given Yusuf to be able to win. Because Yusuf was always challenged from his own family to the queen of Egypt. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the end make him the most victorious. And at the time of his victory, sitting in the highest throne, he forgave everything. And no human being will ever be able to do that. I know people living today, they say, but I can't. I'm doing everything. But Sheikh, I cannot forgive. Why? If Yusuf could forgive everything, then that means every human being have that ability to forgive. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said it clearly in the Quran, وَلِمَنْ غَفَرَ وَصَبَرَ إِنَّ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ عَظْمِ الْأُمُورِ To the one who forgives and act with patience. Indeed, this is the highest of the affairs before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Don't you ever sleep at night and you have animosity against somebody. Forgive everybody. Even those who have animosity against you, then you become a winner. So he asked Allah, 
to give him that. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa was sent as a mercy to the world. He does not want to, be, to make any animosity against anybody. Okay? Now, what he did, alayhi wa sallallahu alayhi by making that dua, okay, is asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to test the people so that they realize there is a creator there. And some of the scholars say he was asking Allah to give what he has given Yusuf in Egypt by giving the drought when the dream of the king who saw seven okay, strong cows being eaten by seven weak cows. And we know cows don't eat cows. And I always laugh with people and say when cows was fed cows in the western world, they had mad cow disease. You remember when they started feeding the, okay, the little babies that aborted from the cows, putting it in the food as protein, the mad became, the cow became mad. And that is not the truth because they don't eat each other. Okay? So what happened is Abu Sufyan came to the Prophet وسلم, and said, Ya Muhammad, Allah wa rahim, faqad ahliz, yani wabar dam. O Muhammad وسلم, life is becoming so hard because the dua of Muhammad became true. They had a drought that is so hard. We have nothing to eat and we have eaten anything. Even the old skin that we are using for certain okay, utensils that we are having, we are getting it and we are washing it and we are boiling it to get some benefit of that skin to, for our food. Okay? The dry grass we are boiling to eat. Oh Muhammad, please do something for us. Although he did not believe in his message at that time. Okay? Allah then revealed to Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ فَمَا اسْتَكَانُوا لِرَبِّهِمْ وَمَا يَتَضَرَّعُونَ This is in Surah Al-Mu'minun. وَلَقَدْ أَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِالْعَذَابِ Indeed, O Muhammad Sallallahu we have challenged them by making life difficult for them to make them realize it is Allah who initiates everything. However, they did not turn to Allah, their Lord. And they never made dua themselves. They didn't. Subhanallah, Sayyidina Muhammad taught us then when there is drought and there is no rain, we pray Salatul Istisqa. Salatul Istisqa. Salatul Istisqa is the Salah of asking Allah to bring rain. Salatul Istisqa. We go out of our way, we pray the Salah and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala under the heavens, O oh Allah, please bring us rain. And I promise you even today, it's prayed in different countries. And there are certain men, when they are asked to come out and lead the prayer for the istisqa, while they are making the dua, the rain will come. Even if there is not one single cloud. There was always, a man was telling me in the uh, kingdom of Morocco that when King Hassan, the father of this king now, was alive, whenever there is drought in Morocco, there is a king in Senegal, there is a, a sheikh in Senegal, he will send a private plane to bring him. And he said, whenever he brings that man and he leaves the prayer, while we are praying, before he makes the dua, the rain will come. For Allah, there are men whom Allah will answer their prayers. Okay? What the Prophet is trying to teach us, when there is difficulty, it doesn't mean you sit angrily, pulling your hair, crying, screaming, blaming others. That means Allah is asking you to turn to him. Allah said, those mushriks, although life is becoming very hard, they are not adhering to the teaching of Muhammad but they are not even turning and asking Allah to relieve them from the trouble that they were going through. Okay? One of their noblemen called Ka'b ibn al-Ashraf, okay? 
He came to Mecca. He lived outside Mecca. He came to Mecca. When he came, the people of Quraysh rushed to him straight away because they were very angry with what Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu was doing. When they rushed to him and they said to him, Anta Sayyidahum, Ala tara ila hadha sumbur al-munbatir min qawmihi yad'am annahu khayru minna. What a terrible thing to say. Imagine, this is a noble man. When he comes to Mecca, people should welcome him, sit him down, support him, feed him, listen to good things, tell him good news. But immediately, they said something terrible. Okay? The words that they said, subhanallah, when you listen to them in Arabic, it makes you feel sad. These people have no understanding. He listened to them saying, you are the master, the leader of all the noble people who link to Abdul Muttalib and Bani Hashim as from Quraysh. Don't you see this, okay? Weak man. This man who has no nobility amongst us. This person whom we do not have any respect for. This one who have no children. He didn't even have a son. A man who can carry his name after him. And no one supports him. It's terrible. He thinks that we are worse than him. He is better. He turned to them to please them. He said, Antum khair. You are better than him. Without any understanding of what they are saying, he just agreed with them. Allah then straight away revealed Surah Al-Kawthar. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna a'taynaka kawthar. Because he called Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam al-abtar. Al-abtar is a terrible insult for any man to say to him, you are not going to have a name that will be left as a legacy behind because you are not having a son. In Arabia at that time, if you don't have a son, it is shameful because a son will carry your name. In fact, before that, Sayyidina Ibrahim was crying for a son. Sayyidina Zakaria was crying for a son. Ibrahim had Ismail. السلام, and then Ishaq Sayyidina Zakaria Allah promised him while he's praying السلام, so the men want a man to carry their legacy behind them to be called Al-Abtar it was terrible so Allah said to Sayyidina Muhammad to please him Inna we have given you O Muhammad Al-Kawthar Al-Kawthar according to Rasulullah is a river in paradise nothing is like it it is water is more sweeter than any drink that a person can drink. And whosoever drink one sip out of it, never need to drink again. Only from it, so that you can have that pleasure of drinking from it. Granted to the Prophet ﷺ, for him and his family, and those who believed in him and loved him, and the closest to him will drink from it. We always say, Allahumma rabbana zqina sharbatan min al-kawthar, lanadma ub'adaha abadan. Oh Allah, allow us to have a drink from al-kawthar that we will never be thirsty thereafter. This is what we want Allah to give us. Okay? Inna a'atayna al-kawthar, fasalli li rabbika wanhar. Do pray, make salah for your Lord, and sacrifice, and feed the poor. The best thing that you could do is to pray and to sacrifice. I promise you, these are the best things. If there is any advice I can give to you, if you are in a dilemma, if you are in a problem, if you are feeling uncomfortable, if you feel heavy, if you couldn't sleep at night, if during the day you are worried, if you are frightened, 
if you made a mistake, whatever, straight away make wudu, pray to rak'ahs. Follow the Prophet ﷺ by reading in the first rak'ah, Al-Fatiha and Al-Kafirun. In the second rak'ah, Al-Fatiha and Al-Ikhlas. When you finish, ask Allah to forgive you. Turn to Him in forgiveness. As He says, Sallallahu Oh, you mankind, turn to your Lord and ask Him for forgiveness. I, Muhammad Sallallahu turn to Him every day a hundred times. And then, okay, praise Him and thank Him and make salawat for your Prophet Sallallahu For anybody who makes salawat for the Prophet Sallallahu it will be multiplied ten times over. And Allah will never return the prayer thereafter. And then prostrate and ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever you want. He will give you. And one of the best things, you can make nadr to Allah. Nadr meaning a promise. But that promise you must fulfill. And the best nadr you can make, Oh Allah, if you fulfill this for me, I will sacrifice and feed the poor. But the moment you get what Allah okay, has promised to give you by your dua, you must fulfill. You ask Allah, oh Allah, I want to go for this interview. Give me this job. And I will sacrifice in your sake. And you go and you get the job immediately. Don't delay what you promised Allah. I will go and do Umrah. Immediately go and do your Umrah. I will go and do a Hajj. Go and do your Hajj. I will go and visit my parents who live far away from me. Whatever you promised Allah, don't delay. Because there is an example of a man who promised Rasulullah he will do and he refused even to pay his zakah. <laughs> And the Prophet Allah revealed to him Quran, never take from him. He came to Abu Bakr Sadiq and he refused him. He came to Umar and he refused him. In the time of Uthman Affan, he died. Allah is angry with him. Quran is revealed against him. So another is very powerful, but another needs to be fulfilled because then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala could answer you. And this is something very important we need to do. The one who's claiming that you are after, that means you have no legacy behind you because you have no son, it is he, he will have no legacy. And this evil man, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, has mentioned him in the Quran as an after, not Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is Ka'b ibn al-Ashraf, okay? He sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also used to love Ahlul Kitab. Today, subhanallah, we need to learn from that. Ahl al-Kitab, they have a special position with us as Muslims because they are also Muslims. Their names are Nasara and Yahud. Yahud from Yahuda and Nasara, okay, because they are Ansarullah. They said we are Ansarullah, we are the supporters of Allah by supporting Isa, okay? They call themselves Christians, but they are Nasara. Now they are called Ahl al-Kitab because their message is coming from Allah through messengers that we should Believe in them. In fact, Allah said in the Quran, their food is lawful for us and our food is lawful for them as long as it does not contradict what is revealed for them or us. So when we eat with them, we don't eat the haram in our religion in their food. And when they eat with us, they should not eat whatever is haram for them. For example, the Jews are not supposed to eat meat okay, with bone that have got fat in it. So if we are cooking meat and there is fat in it, they shouldn't eat it. It's forbidden for them. Okay? And for us, we're not supposed to eat pork. We're not supposed to eat anything with alcohol in it. We should keep away from it. Other than that, there is nothing. It is lawful if they are Christian, if they are Jews. وَطَعَامُ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ حِلُّ لَكُمْ And the food of the people of the book is lawful for you. وَطَعَامُكُمْ And your own food, oh you Muslim, حِلُّ لَهُمْ It is halal for them. Yesterday somebody asked me, am I allowed to go to any shop and buy it? I said, look, we're living in a country which is a Christian country. But we are Muslims and we have a big Muslim community. 
there is a lot of halal in the market. We have our own and we are sure it is halal. So we will go and buy it. Okay? This is number one. If I'm in a place whereby there is no halal to buy and I really need to eat that meat, although there are other alternatives, then I can go and buy that which is authentic, like kosher, because it is halal according to their religion. Or if I go and visit a Christian who are practicing Christianity and they invited me, especially for convert Muslims, when they go and visit their families, rather than insulting them, if they put that which is halal in our religion, like chicken or lamb, they should just say Bismillah rahman rahim and eat because Allah allows them to do so. But I will not go out of my way just to buy from anywhere. Okay? That's the idea. In the meantime, if I go to a halal shop and I find halal, or written halal, or the shopkeeper said to me it's halal, I should not question. Or it will be an insult. You invite me to your house and you're a Muslim and I ask you, brother, is your meat halal? Like some brothers do. That is not correct in Islam. Don't insult people. Okay, trust. You're a believer. Al-Mu'min Siddiq. The believer is trustworthy. This is what the Prophet wasallam taught us. We need to understand that. So the Prophet used to sit in Mecca with two Jewish young kids. Because they used to sit and read the Torah beautifully. And because he used to sit with them and listen to them reading, they started talking about him that he is saying what he is saying because he is learning from them. You need to think about it a little bit. They are Jewish from Najran. And the Jews, they spilled down. You have to think about it. Ibrahim is the grandfather of the Jews and the grandfather of the Muslim. And they are from, okay, way to Al-Maghdis until you come to Mecca. This is the land where Ibrahim used to travel. Subhanallah. They speak Ibri, Hebrew, their language. It's similar to Arabic, but not Arabic. It is when they speak Arabic, they have an accent. Okay? So, for example, when we say Bukra, it means tomorrow. Bukra Tanwa Asila in the Quran, early morning. But they say Bokir in their language. The, 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 Bokir. So, so they say, Good morning, Bokir Tov. This is their language, Bokritov. Okay? In Arabic, Ir, meaning that which is coming last. In their language, Ir, meaning evening. So they say, Iriptov, good evening. Okay? This is in Hebrew. So there is similarity, but it's not the same. So when they started saying it, it spread like wildfire among the people that Muhammad sallam, is listening to the scriptures and learning from humans to say what he is saying. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him in the Quran. Okay? بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولقد نعلم أنهم يقولون إنما يعلمه بشر. O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, we are aware that they are saying indeed the one who is teaching him is a human being. Meaning those Jewish. لسان الذي يلحدون إليه Remember, the tongue that they are using to recite what they are reciting is not an Arab tongue. But the Quran that is revealed to you is a pure, clear, Arabic, classical language. There is no language like the Quran. I promise you. There is no language. You can get all the poets of the world. You can get all the writers of the world to write anything. None of them will be able to challenge the Quran. In fact, the best writers of poetry and literature were the Arabs. And Allah challenged them by the Quran. Arabic language is powerful. And therefore the Quran is the highest word. Why? Because it's the word of God. 
It's not a word of man. It's not written by man. So you should believe in that and trust in that. We say, La ilaha illallah, Al-Quran kalamullah. There is none worthy to be worshipped, but Allah and the Quran is his word. You should believe in that. You should trust in that. Al-Quran kalamullah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَمَا كُنْتُمْ تَسْتِرُونَ أَنْ يَشْهَدَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَمْعُكُمْ وَلَا أَبْصَارُكُمْ وَلَا جُلُودُكُمْ وَلَكِنْ ظَنَنْتُمْ أن الله لا يعلم كثيرا مما تعلمون. It is also strange while they are sitting, they used to debate what Muhammad was saying. But Sayyidina Muhammad was bringing them this news that whatever you do, whatever you say, it is allowed, it is silent, it is in your mind, it is in your heart, it is in congregation. When you are alone, Allah is aware of it. So one day, two from Quraysh and one man from another tribe, they were sitting in Mecca and they were debating what Muhammad. And they were in a secluded area. And one of them says, well, we are talking now. Does Allah hear everything we are saying? One of them says, well, maybe most of it. Some of them said, no, no, no. Maybe he doesn't hear anything. And so they went on. Will he hear everything inside? One of them said, if he can hear the loud, that means he can hear the silent as well. Okay? The debate is like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to them in the Quran, that indeed Allah is aware of everything that you say, whether it's apparent or hidden. It is very, very strange. So Rasulullah, because he was aware of what is going on around the community, one day he was sitting with the companion. Imagine, the companion in Mecca were few. So he started laughing by himself. And the companion was just looking at him. They were new in learning the knowledge and having a prophet. So they didn't say anything. He said, why don't you ask me why I'm laughing? Wouldn't you ask me? And he said, why are you laughing, Ya Rasulullah? He says, I'm laughing surprised at a servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day of judgment. Allah will bring him forth to judge him. And the servant will say to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh my Lord, didn't you promise that you will not wrong me at all? You will be just. Allah said, of course. He said, I don't want anyone to be a witness against me. Allah will say, wouldn't you accept me as your witness and my angels, those who were there witnessing what you did and writing the good and the evil? And then he will say, no. Then Allah will say, okay. Allah will stop the mouth from speaking and Allah will allow every limb in the body to speak, the skin, the hand, the day when their hand and their legs will be witness against them for what they have done or carried out in their life. And therefore this verse was revealed where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and you were not able okay, to cover yourself that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow your hearing your sight, your skin will be a witness against you. However, you thought that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows not a lot of what you used to say or do. Never, ever, ever think Allah doesn't know. Never think Allah is not aware. Never think of anything like that because you will be tested. All these things were revealed at that time to teach the companion to have strong faith. And we need to understand them. Sometimes when you read the seerah, a lot of these things are not mentioned. Okay? When you read the seerah, these things sometimes are not mentioned. I am bringing it in because 
It is a time for learning to increase one Iman, to strengthen one Iman, to make you strong in your faith. I believe in Allah, I trust in Allah, I depend upon Allah, I will only turn and ask from Allah. I will fear no creature, I will only fear Allah. For those who will only fear Allah, Allah will make every creature frightened from them. But those who don't fear Allah, Allah will make them frightened from every creature. Don't be a coward, but be a courageous human being by being truthful to yourself. This is from Surah Fussilat. Okay? But this is something that we need to think about seriously. Okay? Now, at that time as well, one of the greatest wars took place. Five years, they were fighting. Just like now, the biggest powers in the world, America and the Soviet Union or Russia now, okay? In that time, it used to be Al-Furs were Rome. The Persians, who were very, very powerful, and the Romans were very, very powerful. The Romans were Ahlul Kitab. They were the Christians. And they had all their churches and their monks. And, and they were all right. And the Persians were atheists. They were worshippers of the fire. The Mushrikeen were closer to them. They were their allies. So the war was closer to Persia. And the believers of Muhammad Sallam, because they knew the Christians are close to them because they are Ahlul Kitab, they were hoping that they will win. In their heart, they want them to win because they are believers. But to their detriment, the Persian won. And a big victory. It was so sad for the believers to see this in Mecca. And the Mushrikeen took it as an insult. So they were coming to their gathering and saying, look, look, these are people who don't believe in the Day of Judgment. They don't believe in all this nonsense you are talking about. They don't have all this uh, strange thing you say. They just worship like us. They have their gods like us. They won against the people who are like you, who believe in God and messengers and that, and therefore we are going to defeat you. We are going to destroy you. We are going to wipe you out of the surface of this earth. Because the sadness was so terrible in the heart of those believers, it did hurt the Prophet Because he didn't like to see them sad. So immediately, Jibreel came to give him the good news. Every time the Prophet is sad, only Jibreel will come to bring him a news that will please him. And the surah called Rum was revealed at that time. Okay? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم غلبت الروم Today, O Muhammad sallam, okay, the Christian of Rome have been defeated. في أدنى الأرض وهم من بعد غلبهم سيغلبون Okay? Close to Persia. But indeed, after their defeat today, one day will come when they will be victorious. Just give them a few years. That day, when they will win against the Persian, the believers who are around you who are sad today will be absolutely happy. Why they are happy? Because Allah has shown a victory to the believers. For indeed, Allah will show victory to whomever he wishes. Allah will give victory to whomever he wishes. Okay? They will be happy to see the victory of the believers for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is oft 
forgiving, merciful, most noble, subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is Surah Al-Rum. Now, things did not improve. The verse came, people were feeling, but still there is an anger in the heart of the mushrikeen. There is abuse coming every day, continuously against them. Allah wanted to give them comfort. Allah wanted to give them understanding. Allah wanted them to be stronger because Allah was building the faith in the heart. If you think of those people who made the hijrah from Mecca to Medina, they were the most powerful Muslim ever to walk on this earth because they suffered too much. No one suffered like them. Subhanallah, they were nothing. And imagine today we, we come to the mosque, we pray easily, we walk. If somebody calls us a name outside, to ask us to go back to our countries where we come from, we get very upset. Racism, we can take them to court, we fight them. These Muslims, if they were seen praying, they will be beaten up. If they were seen walking to the, the Kaaba, they will be abused, they will be shouted at, they will be given. Their life was miserable. Many of them were mistreated badly. Many of them were killed. You have to understand that. Okay? So then Allah in his wisdom, wanted them to learn from the history of the past. So he revealed Surah Al-Kahf. Surah Al-Kahf is a beautiful surah. It is in the middle of the Quran. But subhanallah, it is like the main pillar that carries everything. To me, it is as if it carries everything that your life is rotated about. In it, there are four stories Allah speaks about. And Allah said to the Prophet in another place in the Quran, نحن نقص عليك أحسن القصص بما أوحينا إليك هذا القرآن. O Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, we relate to you the best of the stories in this which we reveal to you the Quran. Why? لنثبت به فؤادك. In another place, so that we confirm your faith with it. The stories of the Quran are there to make your iman stronger. So the stories Allah chose in Surah Al-Kahf, indeed were a turning point for them. The first story is the story of the people of the cave. Now these were believers in their time. They were abused. They were يعني, haunted by those people who, in their time who did not want them. They were taken to a position whereby they didn't know what to do. So they chose to migrate. Not to go to a different land, but to hide themselves in a cave. And they slept in that cave for over 300 years. And Allah woke them up and brought them with a dog when you read the surah. In that, as if to say to them, look, those people, and they suffered. And they did not go and live their life and got married and have everything. You can travel to another country now. They stayed in a cave. They didn't stay for a day or a month or a year or two or ten. But for hundreds of years. And we woke them up. And we have shown them that Allah can do anything. You can do the same. That means you can travel. If you don't find it easy in Mecca, go. Ardullahi wasi'ah. The land of Allah is spacious. Hijrah is allowed. So don't suffer in Mecca in silence. The suffering is not acceptable. If you find it difficult, move. The second story is the story of the two men. And one of them who had two gardens. Okay? And, subhanallah... He went into his garden laughing as his colleague saying to him, when you look at me, I have everything. When you look at me, I have everything. Look at my gardens. How wonderful they are. How beautiful they are. 
Look at your garden. You have nothing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, وَدَخَلَ جَنَّتَهُ وَهُوَ ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ He entered into his garden, but he is wrong. Because he was arrogant, and he was boasting, and he feels that everything he has done, he has done for himself. Nobody else could help him or support him. Okay. And subhanallah, when they came the next day, his boss garden were burned down. You should read the stories. Okay. I just say to them, look, don't worry. You have nothing. But like those two men, the one who boasted because he had every material good dunya thing, he lost everything because he was depending upon himself. He could not even protect his gardens. How would he save himself in the day of judgment? But the one who is having nothing, he said to him, I depend upon Allah. I seek only from Allah. And Allah supported him and gave him that strength of faith. The third story is the story of Khidr and Musa, which is telling them about what Allah knows, what Allah could teach people to know. He didn't think that sometimes we don't know. Khidr wrecked a boat. Musa was upset, and Musa is a messenger, and a great messenger, one of five greatest messengers, because he felt this is terrible. How could you wreck a boat which does not belong to you? This is destructive. And then he built a wall when people refused him even water when he was thirsty and hungry. And then he killed a child, and you know, killing is not acceptable. But yet Allah has told the answers to Khidr and Khidr give Musa to show him there are things that I do you have no understanding of. So don't you ever think what you know is sufficient or the end of knowledge because knowledge has no end. It's an ocean without any limits, without any shore. And above everyone with knowledge, we have put somebody else. Every time you think you know it all, say Astaghfirullah Azim. Because in that field which you think you know all, there is somebody living now who is knowledgeable than you. This is the reality of things. You have to understand. You have to think. When I was young, I used to think about these things a lot. I used to sit with the mashayikh. And subhanAllah, once upon a time, I went to visit the sheikh. And I just I entered. I like to sit with him because he's always saying the most beautiful things. And people like that, you want to listen to them. And the moment I sat down, he said, look, did you meet this sheikh before? I said, no. He's Sheikh Ibrahim. Say salam to him. I said to him, I don't know So I said, I don't want Sheikh Ibrahim. I want to sit with you. He said, go with him. My God. It was too hot, about 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock is like hot fire outside in where I come from. So I walked out with him. What am I going to do? So the man started walking in the street. I was following him. Come with me. Just follow me. Inside me, I was so upset. I didn't understand anything. And every time I said to him, where are we going? He said, don't worry. Just come. And I was talking to myself, what a waste of time. <laughs> and he was saying things that I did not understand at the time, but later on I understood that I know I'm wasting your time. Saying it like that. But inshallah, Allah will reward me for what I'm going to do. So we went to this house, whereby it has got huge door, metal doors. So he was knocking, 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 knocking. And I said, he's disturbing the neighbors. There's nobody. Once you knock that. And then he was looking, there are some holes. He was saying, oh, maybe they're sleeping, maybe something. Then I looked with the hole like this, and I saw the door inside is bolted, and there are locks. That means the people of the house have traveled. That means through their neighbors, they have another door, so the neighbors can look after the house. This is what we do in my country. 
So I said to him, it is bolted. He said, no, 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 it cannot be bolted. I'm sure. The and then while I'm talking to him, he says something, and he pushes the door, the door open. I got very frightened. My God. Because the door was locked. I know it was locked. Then we went inside, he said to me, oh, now I remember. The gentleman, the owner of the house, he's a friend of his, he told me he's going to South of Sudan. He's in the military. So we went inside the beautiful room, we sat down, he lied down, and then said to me, would you like to perfume yourself? I said to him, yeah, yeah, he said, he was telling me a story. Then he just went like this, he just went like this, opened his under the perfume in it. And then he perfumed. Why am I saying this to you? Because in my own way, I felt I wasted my time, because I was be and I accused the man whom I love to go and listen to in my own understanding, a little mind, and I was putting this man down, and I think, what is this? And it was hot outside, I want to sit in comfort, I want to listen, I want to learn, because I thought I know it all. I know nothing. I felt so small at the end of the day. Believe me. But I think then he realized the way I felt, he started saying very good things to me. And giving me certain things, and teaching me things. Now I realize why later on I was sent with that man. Never think you know it all, never think what you are doing is the best. No, no, no. Allah could do anything for you whenever you think you have reached something, say astaghfirullah, because you will not reach anywhere with that. Then the last story in Surah Al-Kaf is the story of Dhul Qarnayn. Okay? And Yajuj and Majuj. And this is the story that all of us, when we read, we feel that any time this could happen, suddenly the earth will open somewhere, and these creatures will come out and they will drink all the water of the earth and will eat every green and will destroy everything and people talking about them, even people thinking now. About this. But the idea is, don't you ever think you're going to last here forever. The world, there will come a time when it will be destroyed. Those who think they are strong today, they might not even live to see tomorrow. So let us be strong as believers who are living in this time and many times we despair and learn from this that the Prophet wasallam was given some knowledge to give to his companion when they were in terrible condition, being abused, being oppressed, being pushed out of their land and their homes. To understand that it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who run the affairs of the human, not the mushrikeen of Mecca or anybody else. Okay? Now, at that time, Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu, this great friend of the Prophet who became one of the first to become Muslim, he was mistreated badly. Many people don't know that. In fact, once upon a time, he was beaten so much, all his clothing was blood. When he went home, for days he couldn't get up. His mother was so angry. Just leave Muhammad. She said to him, just leave him. Why are you suffering like this? You are a noble man. Everybody respected you. So he decided to leave Mecca. Everybody was traveling to Abyssinia. So... He said he's leaving. He left. Outside Mecca, maybe about five to eight kilometers outside Mecca, eight, eight kilometers outside Mecca, he met a man, okay, called Ibn Dughna. Ibn Dughna was a noble man, respected man in Mecca. So he asked him, Abu Bakr, where are you going? He told him, look, I believe in God and I want to worship God. And my people in Mecca are refusing me to worship. So why should I stay there? So I'm leaving. I'm just going to travel. I'm just going to be a traveler. 
in the land while I can find peace worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Siyaha. Okay? Just going. Siyaha for the spiritual men is to travel the land for finding peace of mind and heart and places where you can appreciate worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But siyaha according to the western people of today and us as well is having holidays in beaches and mountains and snowing places. Okay? Skiing and doing all those things. So siyaha in a spiritual term, meaning traveling for Allah. But siyaha in the modern world is traveling for holidays. Okay? That is, should be understood. So Ibn Dughna then said to him, clearly, okay? Inna mithlaka la yakhruju wa la yukhraj. Indeed, somebody like you, ya Abu Bakr, does not leave his home and cannot be pushed out. He was wondering why. He said to him, you Feed the poor. You lend the one who does not have. You run the business that feed the people the thing that they cannot find in the market. You are a pillar of the community. Somebody like you does not need to travel. If you leave, many people will suffer. You must go back. And I will be your guardian. And let anybody touch you. So he brought him back to Mecca and called the Mushrikeen. Ya Quraysh. What is it, Ibn Dughna? You have pushed this man to the limit whereby he cannot live with you anymore. And he decided to travel the land where you know a noble man like him, the community needs him. He is respected for what he is. He is an honest, truthful man. No one is in need who will come to him, only will find. Could you believe? He used to be a friend to Bilal when he was a slave. That means he used to care for the poor and the needy and the oppressed. This is a special man. A community needs, he must stay. They made an agreement with Ibn al-Dughna. He can stay, but we don't want him to worship openly. Why? Because people like him and then they might follow his way. Ibn al-Dughna said, okay, fine. Abu Bakr worshiped silently. So Abu Bakr Siddiq decided to build a masjid in his house. The fairest masjid. To be built by anybody in Abu Bakr Siddiq building a masjid in his house other than the masjid of Quba, the Prophet built in Medina. And he used to sit in it and worship. But because he was raqiq, he was gentle and kind and very, very merciful man, when he used to sit and worship, he used to cry and cry. So the women of Quraysh and the children used to come and sit around him. And when he read the Quran, they enjoyed it. And they liked it so much. So the Quraysh became very angry and upset. What is this? How could he do this? So they went to Ibn Dughna. Ibn Dughna, look what he's doing. He's staying at home. He's not going to the Kaaba. He fulfills his promise. But he's still drawing people to him. Our women, our children, they love him so much. We are frightened that they will follow his way and follow Muhammad sallallahu Do something about it. So Ibn Dughna went to him and said, Ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi I promise them a promise. I will protect you if you do it silently. Please keep it to yourself and don't pray loudly. Otherwise, I'm going to take away my protection. He said to him, take your protection. For now I have found the sweetness of whom I worship in my heart. He will be my protector and he will protect me. This is what the Prophet Sallallahu told them at that time. With all these revelations that were coming, their iman became strong. He was so strong in his iman. That's why Rasulullah says, والله لو وضع إيمان الأمة في كفة وإيمان أبو بكر في كفة 
if the iman of the ummah is put in one side of the scale and the iman of a waqr a sadiq in one side a waqr sadiq iman will be more heavier think about that what kind of an iman is that what a powerful thing I often say to Allah, Allah bless Abu Bakr Sadiq and I seek refuge in you by that iman you gave to him and bless me through that seriously because this is a man like no man look at him he left he didn't want fighting or troubles although they were fighting him they were beating him he said no I'm not fighting you he just I'll leave I'll wonder this is something that you need to think about why Allah said in the Quran, Even the one between you and him, there is grave animosity to them as if they are the best of friends. It's not manhood to stand up to try to show fist. You want to fight? Come out with me. It's not, it's not manly. I never saw a good man will do that. A good man will just sit. The Prophet was pulled and shoved and kicked. He never fought for himself. He never hit anybody nor raised his hand to hit anybody except in the war when he was fighting to defend himself. So let us learn these lessons from the seerah so that we can become better people. Okay? This is something that we need to think about. At that time, the two men whom Quraysh respected very much and whom all the tribe feared very much, even Quraysh, are Amr ibn Husham, Abu Jahl, and Umar ibn Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala anhum. They were the most feared men. When they walk in, people will think twice. And subhanallah, subhanallah, the Prophet ﷺ one day was heard praying, O oh Allah, unsurili Islam bi ahad al-umarayn. Ya Allah, give victory to Islam by allowing one of the two Umars to become Muslims. Either allow my uncle Abu Jahl to come to Islam or allow Umar bin Khattab to come to Islam. Now, Umar bin Khattab was a traveler. He used to travel a lot. And he was, mashallah, a man who had a conviction to his faith. He used to worship the idols. And he used to make his own. He told later on, I used to make my own God with my own hand. Somebody asked him from what? He said, sometimes I make my God from dates, from the ajwa. And he said, while he was remembering his jahiliyyat, I said, strange enough, once upon a time I was traveling and I was so hungry and I was resting and I have this idol made of date in front of me. So I put him and I was praying, I need to eat. Then nothing happened. So I broke the head and I ate it. And I asked for forgiveness. I traveled later on and then I put him out and I prayed still because this is my faith. Provide something to eat. Nothing happened. I broke the arm and ate it. I went further. The same thing happened. I broke the leg and ate them. And at the end, I put the rest of the body and prayed for it. When nothing happened, I ate all of it. <laughs> now I look back and I laugh at it. How naive we used to be. Yeah? Sometimes your own whim or your own thoughts, your own ideas misleads you. So you need to have the concrete ideas of those who have the knowledge. Because nothing worse than ignorance. Ignorance is darkness. When you don't know, you're almost dead. When you know, you are in the light. Al-ilmu nur. Knowledge is light. And the Prophet says to the companions. Okay? So Umar bin Khattab, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, was a man who was traveling all the time, trying to learn things. And he had a sister called Fatima, 
her husband called Saeed ibn Zayd. Fatima and Saeed ibn Zayd became Muslims. And they loved Al-Quran. And they used to sit in their home reciting. But because they were not very learned yet, they had somebody else helping them. Coming to their house, sitting with them, and reading with them. Okay? And, subhanallah, while they were reading the Quran, they were enjoying the pleasure of the word they were hearing. And they were not just reciting yes, Quran like sometimes we sit down and read. They were having pleasure in reading it. Umar Khattab heard of Muhammad Sallam doing evil things in Mecca. When he heard that, where is he? Where is Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Let me go and do something about this matter. So they told him he's, he's hiding in a house with some of those who are following him among the weakest of Mecca in a house next to As-Safa. So next time when you go to Mecca to do Umrah or your Hajj, when you go to As-Safa, okay, which is just straight away across from the black stone. That's a safa. And Marwa is there. To Maghab Ibrahim that way. Now, the house used to be there. Just by a safa. And all these buildings were not there. It's a safa, just a little hill. And the house was Darul Arqam. Go there, and you will find him. So he went. While he's driving on his horse to the place, okay, he was met by a man called Naim ibn Abdullah. He asked him, where are you intending to go, O Umar? Umar ibn Khattab turned to him and said to him, I want Muhammad and his companions. What for? I want to kill him. Why? He has destroyed the people of Quraysh. He has brought animosity between themselves. He has brought something new that is making life miserable and difficult. I want to kill him. The man turned to him and said to him these words, Wouldn't you return to your own family and straighten them into the path that you are looking to straighten? Umar bin Khattab said, Which of my family you are talking about? He was worried. He said, Well, don't you know your sister Fatima and her husband have become Muslims? What? Yes. Both of them have embraced Islam and they are there. Okay? He went to the house. He found the house locked and the room where they were sitting, the door is locked and he could hear the recitation inside. While the recitation was coming, it was not his brother-in-law sound, it was not his sister, it was another man called Khabab ibn al-Art and he had a good voice. So Umar pushed the door. When he pushed the door to, to hear, the man entered under the bed, the one who was reading, because he knows Umar is going to kill him. Okay? Her husband came to confront him. Umar was trying to fight him, and Umar was carrying his sword. The sister came between them. He took his sword and trying to hit her husband. He cut her forehead. She was bleeding badly. People say about Umar that he was a strong man, he was fearful, okay? People fear him, uh, fearless. Subhanallah. With that, he was so merciful. He was so kind. When he saw his sister bleeding, his heart softened. He said to her, 
I didn't come here to fight. What were you reciting? What, what is that you are reading? So the man came from under the bed carrying a sheet. He wrote in it the verses. It was from Surah Taha. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Taha, ma anzalna alayka al-Qur'ana litashqa illa tadkiratan lima yakhsha. Oh Taha, which we don't know the meaning of, as an abbreviation for something Allah intended for the Prophet we have not revealed this Qur'an for you so that you will live in difficulty and harshness. The Qur'an is to make life easy. It is a reminder for those who fear God. A revelation from the one who created the high heavens. Forget about the world you live in. Ar-Rahman ala al-Arsh istawa, the sustainer, who created everything upon the throne. He has put himself. So he said to his sister, can I have that paper? Please, and he was a man who could read. He was a literate man. He was absolutely good in his language. Can I have it? She said, you can. And then he looked at her blood and he took her down. He was taking away the blood. Please, I want to say to him, you need to clean yourself first. So he went and washed and he gave him the paper and he recited it. He said to her, this is absolutely beautiful. Oh, Fatima, where is Muhammad? What is your intention? I love what is being said in this. Where is it? I want to know more. So she realized he wants to be a Muslim. So she said to him, he is in Darul Arq. You can go there and you will find him. Okay? Now, when he came to Darul Arq, Somebody went to the door when he knocked and came back. Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib was sitting, the Prophet was sitting, and the man said to the Prophet it is Umar bin Khattab. Hamza said to him, if he has come here to cause any problem, the sword that he is carrying, we will kill him with. The Prophet said, no, leave, leave it. And he went to the door. And when the door is open, the Prophet held him from here. What bring you here, Umar? He said, Ya Rasulullah, I have come here to declare to you that the words that you received are the truth. And I want to declare my faith. Umar bin Khattab then took shihada from the Prophet became Muslims. In fact, before he took his shihada, subhanAllah, because they were sitting far away and they were worried what's going to happen. The Prophet was courageous. The Prophet is not having any fear from any man. He didn't need Hamza to support him or anybody else. SubhanAllah. When Umar said to him, I came to declare my face, he said, Allahu Akbar, with joy in him. So that the people inside, they felt that Umar has come to become a Muslim. So that gave them a strength. And gave them that okay, position whereby they can do things that they could not do before. And one of them said, Wallah, I have heard yesterday only the Prophet asking Allah in dua, Oh Allah, support this deen by one of the two Umars. Amr ibn Husham, Abu Jahl, or Umar ibn Khattab. So Allah has chosen Umar ibn Khattab for the softness of his heart and for that which he used to take serious in supporting and helping the needy and the poor. So he became one of the second pillars of Islam after Hamza became a Muslim. Okay? Once he became a Muslim, he went straight away to the Kaaba and he declared it in front of everybody. And they started fighting him. They say from the time he entered, the fight became so big because he was courageous in fights. He never stopped. They were fighting him, he was fighting back. Fighting him, he was fighting back. Not one, two, ten, fifteen, too many of them. Because they didn't want him. 
If somebody like Omar become a Muslim, everybody else will become a Muslim. This is what they fear. From a distance, a man who was respected, okay, came running. Call Al-As ibn Wa'il al-Sahmi. Al-As ibn Wa'il al-Sahmi stopped them. He said, what are you doing? Didn't you hear? Umar has left his religion. So what? He said, so what? A man is free to choose what he wants. Leave him alone. And I warn you, you are fighting him. If his people came, you will not be able to fight them. He reminded them, brought them to their mind that Umar people, if they come, they're going to destroy you. You better leave him alone. If look at you, all of you trying to fight one man, you are not able to. Imagine one other few men from his tribe come. What are they going to do to you? So they left him alone. Umar bin Khattab went. And from that time, the Muslims who were there reported there was no better time for them than the time when Umar became a Muslim. They used to go to the haram and do things that they never used to do before. Now they have Hamza and they have Umar ibn Khattab supporting them. Okay? Now, when the Quraysh people failed, as I said earlier on, from convincing Anagos or the Najashi, the king of Abyssinia, to bring back those early companions, now this time they thought, no. This is terrible. We need to destroy the Prophet himself. The destruction of this new religion and this new faith that is destroying us and our business in Mecca can only come by the destruction of this man. So now they decided to kill him. It never happened before. It's the first time the sort of that. Okay. Now when this happened, Quraysh, all of them they came together. They're different homes. Okay. Bani Abdul Muttalib. Okay? The family of Abdul Muttalib were sitting, Bani Hashim were sitting, and the others were sitting. All of them agreed for his death. Only Bani Abdul Muttalib and Bani Hashim. They refused. They said no. In fact, Abu Talib was the leading man. He said, I will never accept that. His, their, their area, they will stay. The other said, if you come to our areas, we're going to destroy you. You stay in your areas. The areas were decided between the mountains. You are from there, you know the areas. Called Sha'ab. Between every two mountains, the area is called a Sha'ab. Okay? And they used to live in it. So the Sha'ab of Bani Abdul Muttalib and Bani Hashim, where the Prophet and his people were sitting there. They were not allowed to go anywhere. They refused. They made an agreement to buy from them or to sell to them or to marry from them or to allow them anything. In fact, they made them suffer. Three years, they were suffering. In fact, in some of the seer that the books that are written, they used to go and get the old leather and boil it, like earlier on what happened to okay, the mushrikeen themselves, and try to drink the water from that to feed themselves. They could never get anything unless secretly something is being brought to them. This is the time when Rasulullah felt sorry about what was happening. Okay, This separation between the two groups it took three years, and the idea was, we will not break this agreement until you give us the Prophet The agreement that they wrote, they began it, Bismillahumma, and they wrote all the things that they are not supposed to do with Bani Abdul Muttalib and Bani Hashim. And they put this paper in the Kaaba. One day the Prophet ﷺ came to his uncle, Abu Talib, and said, Ya Abu Talib, 
the paper that they have written and they have put in the Kaaba, the insects of the earth have eaten it. Only the name of Allah has remained. He used to love Muhammad very much. So he rushed, subhanAllah, to Quraysh and called them for a meeting. He said, listen to me. You have cut your relationship with us. You have made our life difficult. You have refused us everything. You are almost killed us. But I'm telling you, Muhammad said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the paper you put in the Kaaba, it is all being destroyed. Only the name of Allah the Great is there. I'm telling you now, go and bring it down. If what he said is wrong, I am going to allow you to take him. And you can do whatever you want with him. But if you find what he says correct, then leave us alone. And let us return back to our original relationship and we can deal with one another and live as we want and you live as you like. Lakum dinukum waliyadin. They said, I'm soft. You have told the truth. You are just in what you said. Let's go and get the paper. They went and got the paper from the Kaaba. And guess what? When they opened it, it's all broken except Bismikallahumma. Did Quraysh adhere to that? Did their hearts soften? Did they felt, well, wow, this man knew the truth? They did not. They were still feeling angry and upset because their thought is not really for Allah and for the truth. Their thought is for their business and guarding their wealth that they used to guard and the life that they used to lead. So, subhanallah, the relationship, okay, was brought back again, not to a better position, but better than it was before. Okay? And that made it easier. Okay? This is something that we need to learn. This is the condition of the believer who is truthful. When, when you are really trustworthy in yourself, trustworthy among the people, when people trust you, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you that position, then whatever you say will come true. And Muhammad sallallahu never spoke anything. Only when people come to check it, it will always be right. He will never say something unless it is the truth. Okay? Hal al-mu'min as-sadiq. Qala Rasulullah sallam for this reason. He said later on, وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمَّدٍ بِيَدِهِ إِنَّ مَثَلَ الْمُؤْمِنِ كَمَثَلَ الْقِضْعَ مِنَ الذَّهَبِ نُفِقَ عَلَيْهَا أو نَفَقَ عَلَيْهَا صَحِبِهَا فَلَمْ تَقَيِّرْ وَلَمْ تَنْقُصْ فَلَمْ تَتَقَيِّرْ وَلَمْ تَنْقُصْ Okay, Muhammad Sallam said, by the one who holds my soul in his hand. He always used to make this oath. وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمَّدٍ بِيَدِهِ Okay, by Allah Almighty who holds my soul in his hand. Okay. The condition of the believer is like the condition of the gold. When it is put in the fire, okay, and the blacksmith is okay, blowing on it and making the fire rage so that it can melt that gold, okay, the condition of that, it will never change and it will never reduce. The gold will still be the gold and the gold will always remain. The, the quantity and the condition. They will never change. So a believer who is strong in his iman, his iman will never be reduced and his condition will never be changed. Just like Abu Sadiq when he said to the man, okay, I'm not going to need your protection anymore. Why? Because Allah is going to protect me. Again, the Prophet ﷺ said, 
وإن الله لا يجرب أحدكم كما يجرب أحدكم ذهبه بالنار. But listen to me, my companions. Although you are all suffering now and the mushrikeen are pushing you left, right, and center, you are going to be tested even further. Just like one of you will test his gold in the fire. In the olden days, when somebody wants to sell you gold and you want to know it is not mixed with something else, they say bring the fire and they put it and they melt it. The gold is the gold. You know gold. You see? So he said, one of you will be like that. But if one of you is true in his faith, whatever happened to him, he will always remain. Many of the companions who like Bilal ibn Rabah, like Abu Siddiq, like Umar ibn Khattab, they were punished, they were pushed, they were shoved. But Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, their iman remained with them. They never lost any of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given them. Again, he said, وَمَثَلُ الْمُؤْمِنِ كَمَثَلِ سَبِيكَةَ الذَّهَبِ The example of the believer is like, okay, the piece of gold. When you blow in it by fire, it will become red. And when you wait, it will never reduce in weight. So all those things the Prophet was saying to his companion at that time to make them feel that at the end of the day, all this punishment from the mushrikeen, it's only for their benefits. Why? Somebody might say, why? Allah could have just protected them. If Allah wants them there all to believe, that's it. Who can do anything? Here, this part of the seerah is also important for us living today, looking at some of us going out of our way, looking down at those who do not believe. And there is danger in that. Because there are five places in the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, it is only him who can change people's hearts. Number one, in Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah said, like Rahafiddin. There is no compulsion in religion. To take your sword, to take your gun, to take your knife, to take your strength and go, to try to force somebody to become a believer or shove iman into their throat is not allowed. Allah said to the Prophet, you will not guide those whom you love. It's not upon you to guide. Allah will guide them. And indeed, if Allah wills it, all those who in the earth will be become believers in three different places. So in five different places, Allah says, it's up to me. If I wish, they can all be believers. You should not force them. You should not compel them. But we hear it today. We're living in the 21st century, a century where we think the knowledge has peaked to the highest never before like this, which is nonsense. And we know it all. Yet, subhanallah, we are worse than the Jahiliya people in the Jahiliya time. Whereby we are going against our nature by doing things that which will not even be comprehended. And we hear people saying, well, okay, we should force them to become believers. We are better than them. We are going to heaven, they are going to hell. No. We should be very careful. We should never say things like that. None of us is sure that we are going to die with La ilaha illallah. Perhaps one of us will have only that distance, the hand span, Okay? To die, and you will die with no faith. Or you have no faith, and that hand is fine, and you will die a believer. You sleep with faith, you wake up without it. You sleep without it, you wake with it. These are all ahadith statements, saying, said by the Prophet ﷺ, to give us an understanding that at the end of the day, we are not the judge for the belief in the heart. None can see the heart. 
As I said last week, فَلَتُزَكُّوا أَنفُسَكُمْ Never judge yourself to be better than anybody else. هو أعلم بمن التقى هو أعلم بمن التقى Allah knows alone by himself who fear him most who have the best faith in him subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet ﷺ is the most courageous. The Prophet ﷺ is the most knowledgeable. The Prophet ﷺ is the strongest believer. The Prophet ﷺ is the first and the last in this message. Spiritually he was the created first and he was the last in the message and subhanallah he was the favorite messenger of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But yet he never put himself in any position to put anybody down. He was in Mecca hiding himself. Although he could went outside and shoved his face in the throat of those mushrikeen. It will not be difficult for him to destroy them. But he didn't want his death destruction. He didn't want trouble to come to them. He didn't want harm to come their way. Sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He wanted them to become believers. He wanted to save them. And I always say, we misinterpret the Prophet He was sent as a mercy to the world, not as a punishment. When he said, لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخي ما يحب لنفسه. None of you become a true believer until you love for your brother what you love for yourself. Not to love for your brother to have a house or a car or a good degree or a good life. No. This is dunya. You love, the best thing to love for your brother, to have a strong faith, to die as a believer, to die with the love of the Prophet to be steadfast in their faith. These are the things we love. And therefore, the people whom we love most is for them the non-believers. I would love all of them to become believers because I would not love to see any son of Adam to go to the hellfire. We should learn from the seerah that when Rasulullah went to Mi'raj and we'll talk about it when the time comes, when he saw Adam السلام, and he was looking to his left, he was frowning when he asked him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Ya Adam, why do you frown when you look at the left? When I look down at the earth and I see my descendants going the, the wrong way, doing the haram thing, doing the wrong thing, I feel sorry. I feel sad for them because I know what will come to them. This is something that we need to think about seriously and carry out in our lives so that inshallah we become among those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would love. Okay? Now, in this year, this is the 10th year after the Bi'tha of Muhammad sallam, after the Quran was revealed in Qarhira. This is the 10th year in Mecca. Three years left after that and then the Hijrah to Medina. In this year, in the period of about three to five months, two of the closest people, the supporters of Rasulullah passed away. First is Abu Talib. Abu Talib is the third person in the generation who supported Sayyidina Muhammad Sallam. The first, okay, to support him and look after him, his mother, when he was young. Then he went to the house of his grandfather. Then he came to Abu Talib. And Abu Talib supported him. Any harm that was supposed to come his way, he stopped. He gave his life, his family. Even now in the Shi'ab agreement, he was there for him. He said he will never let go of him. Subhanallah. So Abu Talib was lying in his bed, dying. And he was feeling terrible. And Rasulullah went to visit him. When he went inside to visit him, he found next to him Abu Jahal and Abdullah ibn Abi Umayyah. Two of the mushrikeen. In fact, two of the people who hated Islam and hated the Prophet himself. Two of the people who were plotting in order for Islam 
to be destroyed and wiped off the surface of the earth is for Muhammad sallallahu to be eliminated. When, subhanallah, he entered and saw them, he said, he said, Ya am, O uncle, قُلْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ كَلِمَةٌ أَشْهَدُ لَكَ بِهَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ Oh uncle say, La ilaha illallah, a word that I'll be a witness before Allah in the judgment that you said it. Here, there is a lesson. And please listen to me. There is a lesson. Anybody who says La ilaha illallah, even if they are the worst criminal in the world, even if they don't do any act of Islam, and they do all the haram, but they have La ilaha illallah in their heart, and the amount of weight of what they said is a fraction of an atom. A fraction of an atom. Okay? Of iman in their heart. By Allah Almighty God, they will enter heaven. قَالَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مَنْ كَانَ فِي قَلْبِهِ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامِ قَالَ ذَرَّةٍ مِنْ إِيمَانٍ دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ Another misinterpretation of the sunnah of Rasulullah sallam we hear today that when the Prophet sallam said يعني the ummah of Isa alayhi salam and the ummah of Musa alayhi salam they were divided and my ummah will be divided the ummah of Musa divided to 70 69 groups will go to hell one will go to heaven the ummah of Isa alayhi salam divided to 71 groups Okay? And 70 will go to hell and one will go to heaven. The Ummah of Muhammad will divide to 73 groups. 72 will go to. So what they are saying, and listen with me carefully, what they are saying, if there are 70 of us sitting in this room now, okay? Or let us say 73 of us sitting here, 72 of us will gonna go to hell. How come? When Muhammad is going to have the biggest nation entering into heaven. How come? That is a misinterpretation. Wallah, it is misinterpretation. A lot of people, you hear people saying it. I am asking people the question. Who is Ummah Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Some say to me, those who says la ilaha illallah. Not true. A messenger who is sent to people, everybody whom he is sent to is his Ummah. When Musa alayhi salam was alive, Everybody from Bani Israel in his zone is his ummah, whether they believed in him or not. When Isa was sent to Bani Israel, everybody in his zone believing in him or not is his ummah. And since Muhammad was commanded to give this knowledge to the people, everybody from the year when he was giving this message until Qiyamah is Ummah Muhammad. What Muhammad is saying, there will be 73 different groups worshipping Allah. But only one group will go to heaven, the group of La ilaha illallah. Man qala la ilaha illallah dakhala al-jannah. Man qala la ilaha illallah dakhala al-jannah. Whosoever says la ilaha illallah dakhala al-jannah. Please, never think otherwise. Every Muslim, every believer in la ilaha illallah, however where they are, it's the proof is there in the sunnah, in Bukhari, Muslim, in all the seers, it's written, even if you have a mitgala dharra, a fraction of an atom weight of iman in your heart, you will enter paradise. Maybe you will go to the hellfire to be cleansed. Like the gold that has been mixed with other rubbish. Then once your soul is clean, you will go to heaven. And we know from the hadith of Rasulullah the last believer who has been punished in the hellfire, who had an, a fraction atom weight of iman in their heart, and they have never accomplished any good in their life. 
and they have carried out all the wrong and the evil acts that Allah has forbidden. In many times, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring them from the hellfire, allow them to enter into the mercy ocean and bring them out two, three times and then they will give them a garden or a heaven ten times as big as this earth. Ten times! Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wasi'un alim. Why should we be? Today we uh, believers who pray, we say, oh, they're going to go to hell. How do you know? So don't judge. No human. Don't be the judge. You are not the judge. Allah is the judge. We don't judge anybody. We don't look at anybody down. We look at ourselves. And we lower ourselves. We humble ourselves before Allah. We are only servants. We don't know our destiny. Abu Siddiq, the highest of the mu'mins, I just told you, his iman, if it is put in the scale, it will be equal to the iman of the ummah. Of all those who say la ilaha illallah, from the beginning to the end. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He, when he was told, okay, Allah is pleased with me, he believed with Allah, he said, if my right foot is in heaven and my left is out, I will never be sure. Our destiny is in the hand of Allah. Therefore, be careful. Don't say anything that you do not understand. Okay? Then Abu Jahl and Abdullah ibn Umayyah, when they heard the Prophet saying to Abu Talib, say, La ilaha illallah, I will be a witness for you. They says to him, Okay? Ya Abu Talib, atarqabu ammillati Abdul Muttalib. Oh, Abu Talib, are you going to take yourself out of the family and the path of Abdul Muttalib? His father, which was a great man. Are you going to take yourself out of that? He says, لَوْلَا أَن تُعَيِّرْنِي قُرَيْشِ لَأَغْرَرْتُ بِهَا عَيْنَكِ He turned to Muhammad he didn't want to say no to him. He always says yes to everything. He said, unless I worry that Quraysh is going to say something bad as the leader of the tribe after I pass away, that I just did something that I shouldn't have done, I would have delighted you by saying it for you. I would have delighted you. That means I, I'm willing, but I can't say it. Now, subhanAllah, according to all the historian in Islam, they say that he died without saying la ilaha illallah. And Muhammad sallallahu loved him to become a believer. There is no one he would love him to become a Muslim than Abu Talib because he did everything that is right. No companion, no man in Mecca or Medina defended him like Abu Talib. No man. They could all say it. And because of that, Allah wanted to prove to him, it is me who guide you, Muhammad. The verse then revealed, Oh Muhammad, you will not guide those whom you love. However, Allah guides whomever he wishes. For Allah knows who should be guided. Because when Allah created the soul and asked Allah to be Rabbikum, aren't I your Lord? We all said, of course, our Lord. But then Allah knew which of us are talking the truth, which of us are not. Allah knows our journey. Somebody asked me once, okay? Allah knows everything that's going to happen. That means he already just put it for us. No, 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 no. Allah knew what you will do. Because he could see your journey to the end. What you did. And then he knows exactly what you do. When you ask for help, he helped you. When you didn't, he left you. Because you are free. You are born free. 
إن عرضنا الأمانة على السماوات والأرض والجبال فأبين أن يحملناها وأشفقنا منها وحملها الإنسان إنه كان ظلوما جهولا We have offered this أمانة This لا إله إلا الله To every creature Even the mountain, the heaven, the earth They refused it And they were frightened of its responsibility But man said give it to me So whenever people are sitting And somebody without knowledge says Would who will do this? Yeah, I'll do it. Think, <laughs> this is man. <laughs> Especially when the man fails to do it. Well, I sorry, I'm sorry, I couldn't. Come on. If somebody says, who will carry this person from this place to this place? And you don't even drive. Then I will do it. Where is your car? I don't drive. How foolish that is. <laughs> don't jump. Listen. Understand. Then answer. That's the wisdom here. Okay? Without that, we are lost. We have no place, no position to stand upon. Okay? Al-Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib said to the Prophet ﷺ, this is after Abu Talib died, ما غنيت عن عمك فإنه كان يحوطك أي يدافع عنك ويغضب لك You have not helped your uncle. For indeed he used to protect you and fight those who fight you. And he used to be angry when people are angry with you. Because he felt sad. Al-Abbas was somebody who believed and trusted the Prophet and used to guard him until the verse was revealed. Wallahu nas. He said to him, Uncle, leave my place alone, don't guard me anymore. Because they were frightened. From that point, they started guarding him. Okay? Allah said, Allah guards you. You don't need guardian. Today, perhaps, we need bodyguards. The Prophet never needed a bodyguard. Allah is guardian. Okay? Now, the Prophet وسلم, said something beautiful. Seriously. Because this, this hurt him. He wanted his uncle to be a Muslim. He says, because Allah promised him. He said, هُوَ فِي ضَحْضَاحِ مِنْ نَارِ This is in Sahih Muslim. هُوَ فِي ضَحْضَاحِ مِنْ نَارِ وَلَوْ لَا أَنَا لَكَانَ فِي الدَّرَكِ الْأَسْفَلِ مِنَ النَّارِ Don't worry, my uncle. He is going to be in a very little punishment in the hellfire. In fact, only his feet will be punished. Only his feet will be punished. If it is not for me, I, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he will be in the lowest of the low of the hellfire. Now, this is the true Sahih Hadith I'm quoting for you. Now, if this is a man who died as a mushrik, please listen, open your heart. Just because he loved Muhammad وسلم, and protected him and did everything and he became angry when people angered him, subhanallah, this man, this lovely man, Muhammad وسلم, just because this uncle loved him, Allah is not going to punish him. He will punish him only in his feet. The same thing like Abu Lahab. <laughs> because Abu Lahab, okay, when Thuayba came running to the Kaaba when he was born, and I told you this, and she saw him, and she gave the good news, he freed her. Faraham bi Muhammad. Happiness for the birth of Muhammad. The Prophet said he will be punished hard in the hellfire for what he did. But every Monday, 
the day of the Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم, the day he fasted to thank Allah for his birth, every Monday he's going to be brought and he will only be punished from his ankles down. Wow. What about somebody who loved Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم and he believed in Allah? What about that? And today you hear people saying, well, what is this bid'ah you do? You sit and read this mawlid. What is the mawlid? It is a seerah of Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم. The story, the history. We can sit and go and watch a movie in the cinema. We can go and listen to a concert musician are singing. We can go and play a game, a sport game. We can go and watch a sport game. We can go and have fun. We can go to museums. We can go. And when we sit in the masjid and read the seerah of Muhammad sallam, we are doing something haram. Astaghfirullah al-Azim. Where are we and where are the teaching? Where, where are we are Islam? Let us be, do what you want to do if it's not haram, but don't tell us what we do is wrong. Don't tell me that. When Yusuf Islam began to sing Nasheed because he was have great link with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and he was going there and they were telling him the minister okay, for information that they're going to have a conference uh, and they're going to talk about what he's doing and that. He said to me, what, what, what shall I say if they ask me about singing my Nasheed and singing like that? So I said to him, easy. Allah is my witness. In the mosque, I was in the school. Easy. When they ask you, say to them, look, listen. I live in a land whereby everything is music. And everybody listens to music. And our children who are Muslim, who are trying, who are trying to save them, we need to give them an alternative. So I decided to sing nasheed for them. Words that are beautiful, that will make them understand and appreciate living a life. And praise Allah and his messenger, sallallahu But... I'm putting the question to you. In Mecca, in Medina, in the kingdom, you have music within and music coming from abroad. How do you protect your children here? Or you allow them to listen to it? He went and said the same thing. He said to me, no question. The abroad was told not to ask questions. That's it. Stop there. Because he read the question to them. Is there music in Mecca? Is there Western music in Mecca? Is there... Sing that from the West, go to Mecca. Of course there is. This is the man from Mecca and Medina. He knows. There is. There are cinemas in Mecca and Medina. But hidden ones. People do things. Up to them. You see? At the end of the day. But we must. We must not criticize those who are praising Allah and his messenger. Because in that, there will be trouble. Choose what you want. But don't come and criticize me for sitting in a mosque and reciting the seerah and say to me, you should not do that. I will do. Rabi' al-Awwal is going to start and every night from the first of Rabi' al-Awwal to the 12th of Rabi' al-Awwal we'll meet here. I'm going to be even if myself. Since I came to this country and every night we'll read the seerah. You want to join? Join if you think it is bid'ah. You can go and do whatever you want. Go and watch a movie if you want. Don't care. <laughs> yeah? Doesn't make difference. Your choice, my choice. You see? So this is important. We should think about these things. Alright? And then he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, Indeed, the one who will be punished least of all the people of the hellfire is Abu Talib. How? He says, He will have two slippers from the fire, but it will hurt his mind. That is his punishment. 
he will be the least punished. Where is he and the hypocrites? المنافقون إن المنافقين في الدرك الأسفل من النار. Indeed, the hypocrites will be in the lowest part of the hellfire. We who are believing, practicing, we should fear that and keep away from that. Yeah, and that will make us, inshallah, safe. Okay. The Prophet ﷺ then commanded that he should be buried. <laughs> he called Ali ibn Abi Talib. Ya Ali, iqsil abak watfinu. Go and wash your father and bury him. He said, Ya Rasulullah, but he did not die according to your teaching. Look at the adab here. Because he didn't want to do anything without the Prophet telling him. Rasulullah said to him, Bal fib'al, do, and then immediately come back to me. Ali ibn Abi Talib said, I did. I went, prepared my dad, and buried him properly with respect and dignity. And then I came straight away. I didn't talk to nobody. I told him not to talk to no one. Come to me. Once he came to me, he said, go and wash. He washed. He came. He said, Wallah, by Allah, he made a dua for me. I would not have missed this dua for the world. The best dua that was made for a human was made for Ali there. I don't know what he prayed for him. I wish we can get that answer for us tonight. When I read this when I was young, I said, what a lucky young man. First of all, he allowed him to sleep on his bed. To be the guardian for the amanas or the trust of the hidden things of people of Mecca. <laughs> Number two, okay? Subhanallah, he married him to his beloved Fatima. And only from him, his descendancy comes. And now he gave him the best prayer. Ali ibn Abi Talib. Okay? No wonder he is in the best position. Two months Later, three months later, after this calamity that hit the Prophet by the death of his uncle Abu Talib, straight away, his beloved, his supporter, his first believer, Khadija radiallahu anha died. And Allah, they say there is no time the Prophet was seen so sad than that time. He was absolutely sad because she was everything to him. And we learn this from Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, Okay? And she was 65, by the way. And this is something else we need to understand. The Prophet وسلم, married Khadija. He did not go and ask for her. She asked for him. That gives us here now, a woman can ask to marry a man. We're making our own sunnah. Nothing wrong with it. A woman can ask. And it happened during the Prophet time when Khawla, okay, subhanallah, she wanted to marry a man. And the Prophet said to her, you can. And the man said, I'll marry her. She's too rich. She must give me one of her gardens. And the Prophet said, yes, but the man should pay the dowry. In this case, so that he will not take your garden and leave you, if he divorces you, he should return your garden back to you. On the man's side, if you marry a woman when you divorce her, you don't, she should not return anything to you. But if a woman asks you to marry her, and she pays you a dowry, then you return back to her. Whether you consume the marriage or not, you must return it. But a man asking to marry a woman, giving her a dowry, once the marriage is consumed, she has no right to retain nothing to you. And Allah said, this is wrong to ask or take anything of it. Today, men ask back, I want my, <laughs> want my gold, I want my, bring marriage clothes, astaghfirullah There is no understanding. So we learned there, the Prophet okay, Khadija asked for him, number two, she was older than him. 
Today, a man will never marry an old woman. What a sad thing. If she's a good one, what's wrong with her? Well, well, I'm, I'm only 25. She's 30. So, so what? Khadija was 40. Muhammad was 25. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when you find the good woman, her age is not a matter. When you find the good man, his age is not a matter. But today, it is different. The woman will marry an older man because of his position in the society or his wealth. That's wrong. You marry the person for their deen, whether a man or a woman. Their age, age has no place in marriage. Seriously. This is the reality of it. We need to think seriously. Okay. She was his supporter. She was his protector. She used to love him and she used to stand by him in everything. She will never stand against him. Not one time she said anything against Muhammad. This is Khadija. She gave him six children, two boys who died, Al Qasim and Abdullah. Sometimes Abdullah called Tayyib. And subhanallah, Zainab, Ruqayya, Um Kulthum, and Fatima to Zahra. Two of them married to Uthman ibn Affan. And Fatima married Ali ibn Abi Talib. Okay? Aisha said, reporting the greatness of Sayyida Khadija. وواستني بمالها إذ حرمني الناس ورضغني الله منها الولد دون غيرها عائشة رضي الله عنها وينما محمد صلّى الله عليه وسلم في البيت وهو يذهب هو دائما يذكرني بيوتفل شيئا عن خديجة يذكرني شيئا عن خديجة فقالت لها واحدة أفضل جلس فقالت لهم الله يذكرها المتحدة من المتحدة من المتحدة من المتحدة all of them were old. Most of them were, all of them were married before. Only Aisha. He was so angry, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and made an oath. He said to her, Wallahi, by Allah Almighty God, Allah has not exchanged her by somebody better than her, for she believed in me when everybody else disbelieved in me. She accepted me Okay? And trusted in me when everybody else denied me. She helped me with her wealth when everybody else refused to give me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through her gave me children. Al-Bayt. Who they come from? People remember Ali and Fatima. But where is Khadija? <laughs> if Muhammad sallam is the grandfather of those Hassan and Hussein, who's their grandmother? Think about it. The grandmother is Khadija. Ummul Mu'mineen, lucky like people like him, they go to Mecca, they go to her grave, they pray there. I only hear the people of Mecca sing for Khadija. Serious, I never hear anywhere else. Whenever I go to Mecca and the people of Mecca are sitting, reading their mawlid, they always sing beautiful songs about Khadija. She is like the guardian of Mecca. And when you go to the graveyard, Al Ma'la, Ya Salam. Have you ever been to Al Ma'la? Anybody goes to Mecca, go to Al Ma'la, go to Khadija's grave. I'm sure you have been there many times. You're lucky people. Go there. You are like in heaven. Seriously. Because these are people whom Allah loves. These are people whom Allah loves. It's not just anybody. This is Khadija, radiallahu ta'ala anha. The woman who said to the Prophet, Allah by him, subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
will never deny you. For you are not somebody who should be mistrusted or somebody who should be denied. You are the truthful, the honest Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wallah la yukhzik. Abada. Allah will never deny you. Never. This is what she said. Okay. Then Aisha said, I spoke to myself, then I said, from this day, by Allah Almighty God, I will never mention anything bad about her. And then she reported later on, the Prophet maybe came to her another time and said to her, If somebody already died, please only remember the best they have done. Unfortunately today, we see our young men and women sitting, trying to bring the history back of the great men and women who died, and speak ill about them. Say bad things about Abu Hanifa, bad things about Imam Malik, bad things about this sheikh, bad things about... Why? Why? Anybody who died, if you are a Muslim who believe in La ilaha illallah Rasulullah, and they have passed away, remember only the best they have done. Or keep quiet. Do mention only the best your deceased have done in their life. Otherwise, keep it silent. This is what the Prophet said. Okay, this is what we need to think about. And Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and I'm going to finish with this one insha'Allah, قال, this is to show you the position of Khadija with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, people don't know this very much. Atta Jibreel ila Rasulullah Jibreel only comes to the Prophet when it is important, when there is something of high caliber to be said. Either it is Quran or a Hadith Qudsi related by Allah about something important. And about Khadija, a Hadith Qudsi being said. Faqal, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, this is Jibreel related to the Prophet. Hadihi Khadija, qad atat ma'aha ina. Fihi idamun aw ta'amun aw sharab. فَإِذَا هِيَ أَتَتْكَ فَقْرَأْ عَلَيْهَا السَّلَامِ مِنْ رَبِّهَا وَمِنِّي وَبَشِّرْهَا okay, بِبَيْتٍ فِي الْجَنَّةِ مِنْ قَصَبٍ لَا سَخَبَ فِيهِ وَلَا نَصَبٍ سبحان الله He says O Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم Khadija will come to you She will be carrying a container In it there is something to eat or drink When she arrives Tell her السلام oh, Almighty Allah is saying to her السلام Okay? And that he has promised her a house. Nothing like it for nobody else but for her in the garden, Al Jannah. Al Qasab here in the Arabs, it is the most purest of pearls that is, okay, empty inside. So it will be a house, nothing like it. Everybody will look at, wow, what is this? This is the house of Khadija. Imagine Allah is saying that. She is coming to see the Prophet where he was sitting, bringing him some food. He, he is coming, she is coming and bringing you something. You're going to have from her. Allah is so pleased with her for the way she is treating you that when she comes to her, Allah is saying, Salamu alaikum to you. And he is saying that she will place in paradise. That means she's guaranteed heaven. Now, she is not boasting. The good people never boast. She will never say, Oh, thank God for that. I'm going to go to heaven. You mushriks, you're going to go to hell. You kuffar, like what you hear today. People who have not even dignity in themselves, they turn their point at others. Be careful. Like Abu Sadiq, her answer is even better. Look what she says. Okay? She said, وَعَلَيْكَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهَ السَّلَامُ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ وَبَرَكَاتُهُ Because he brought her the good news, he said, 
and upon you, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from your Lord, peace and the blessings. This is what she said. Just that. Nothing else. She didn't think otherwise. If Allah will, that it will. It is from Allah. Everything is from Allah. A believer is like a concrete rock. It will never be moved by the wind. It will always remain. But a person with weak faith or a non-believer is like a feather. With a little bit of wind, it's gone. Neither here nor there. So let us learn, inshallah, from today's journey of the seerah that we need to be strong. And to be strong, every time we find the story in the Quran, we should realize this story, the lesson behind it, is only to firm the faith in our heart. Take it serious. To always look at people and make sure that in your eyes they are better than you and you are lower than them. And never point your finger at anybody to deny them faith or to point a place for them in the hereafter in the hellfire. And always to act upon what Allah has commanded you and to seek knowledge to better yourself rather than thinking otherwise. May Allah guard me and guard you. May Allah strengthen me and strengthen you. May Allah give me tawfiq and give you tawfiq. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to be among those who will be closest to Rasulullah sallam fi dunya wal akhira. Allahumma rabbana salli wa sallim alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim wajma'na ma'ahu fi dunya wal akhira. Rabbana jalna min junduk fa inna junduk humul ghalibun. Rabbana jalna min hizbuk fa inna hizbukun fluhun. Ya Rabbi jalna min awliyauk fa inna awliyauk la khafun alayhim wa lahum yahzanun. Wa salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi wa sallim. Hana rabbika rabbil uta'amma yasifun. Wa salamu ala muslimu alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. I know a lot of people here. Maybe they have questions they want to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to fulfill for them. He knows what is in their hearts. So I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by the grace of Muhammad sallam and the mercy that was him sent to the world that Allah will fulfill for every one of us sitting here whatever we intend and whatever we want. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to learn and to be among those who are learned. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala remove our difficulties. Those who are unemployed, may Allah employ them. Those who are seeking knowledge, may Allah fulfill them. Those who have difficulties in this world, may Allah remove them. Those who are finding it difficult to deal with people, may Allah make it easy for them. Those who have obstacles with their parents, with their brothering, with their next of kin, may Allah make their life easy and give them success and tawfiq for dunya wal akhira. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us that which will make us better Muslims in this world and better Muslims in the hereafter, ya Rabbil Alameen. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by his grace for all those people who ask us to pray for them. Those who are sick, may Allah heal them. I have a brother who told me one of his relations, subhanAllah, he have a young man have a cancer, a tumor in his neck. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala heal him totally. Allahumma ya rabbana shfihi bi shifaik. Allahumma ya rabbana afihim balaik. Rabbana shfihi shifaa'a la yugadiru saqamna wa la alama. Washfina washi maradana wa marada al-muslimin. Ikhfiri allahumma lana wa limawtana wa mawta al-muslimin. Wansuri allahumma al-islama wa al-muslimin. Salli wa sallim ala Sayyidina Muhammad al-Nabiya al-Amin wa alihi wa sallim. Subhanahu rabbika rabbil utamma yasifun. Wa salamun al mursalin Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin al-Fatiha. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين انعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين